0: what's up everybody i'm sarah i'm shauna i'm sam
1: and i'm bobby and this is speaking of murders Everybody to another episode of Speaking of Murders and welcome to the new listeners. Before we get started on today's episode, a little bit of business. We have another show, Speaking of Missing Persons. Make sure you're going and checking that out. That's every Wednesday. And if you like this show, you'll probably like that show. We also have a Patreon where we're putting out bonus episodes every other Saturday. So that's linked in the show notes. Make sure you're going there, checking that out, get subscribed. Don't miss out on those. Don't forget to follow the show, leave us five stars, leave a review, comment, whatever, share it with your friends, your family, coworkers, whoever, and uh, if you want to see photos associated with today's case, you can find those on our socials, those are also linked in the show notes somewhere nearby the Patreon. So, Sarah's going to be telling us the story today, it, I think is the, the second part of Gary Ridgeway, is that right? Yes. All right. Let's jump right in.
0: All right. So last time we talked about like the murders that gave him his name, his media name, the Green River Killer. Right. And for the next two parts where I'm going to try to tell you about as many of his victims as I can. Obviously, I can't tell you about all of them. Otherwise, this would be its own podcast.
1: But I mean, how many are there?
0: There's 49 confirmed, and he's confessed to 73.
1: Holy crap. So does that make him, like, one of the the most prolific... He
0: was the most prolific serial killer in the United States until Sam Little.
1: That's the guy from over in, well, like, Ohio, right? Yeah,
0: the guy who was, like, literally killing his whole life, and no one knew because he... Was a nomad.
1: All right. Well, let's let's save him. Maybe we'll do. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we'll do Sam Little at some point.
0: (sighs) So, yes, Gary Ridgway was considered the most prolific serial killer until recently.
1: Uh, And listeners, let us know. Do you want to hear Sam Little? It would probably be another multi-part like this. I am assuming. Yeah. So, let us know. Leave leave it in the comments. Or email us at speakingmurders@gmail.com at gmail.com. Let us know. Or if you have a case you want to hear outside of that, send it there. Let us know.
0: So, to tell the story is kind of confusing. Because, like I said in the first one, he would take them and then usually murder them the same day. Jump their body. Then they wouldn't be found for whatever amount of time. Gary
1: Gary Ridgway or Sam Little?
0: Gary Ridgway.
1: Oh, okay. Sorry, I got (laughs) confused. I wasn't sure if we were still talking about him a little bit or not. Okay, Gary Ridgway.
0: Gary Ridgway would, you know, his M.O. was pick up sex workers, usually strangle them from behind during some kind of sexual act, and then depending on where he killed them. So like if he did it at his house, then obviously he would drive them and dump their body somewhere. But a lot of times he just took them where he was going to leave them to begin with.
1: Yeah, and kill them there so he doesn't have to transport anybody.
0: Yes. So how he worked is he had multiple what they call dump sites at a time. So he wasn't just using one spot he could have like killed this girl in freaking may of 1983 picked up another girl in june of 1983 dumped them in two separate spots then picked up a girl in freaking july and took her to the original spot you see what i'm saying so he had no rhyme or reason to where he put their bodies. To where he was killing them and where he was putting them. Right. And he had multiple, like after the debacle with the Green River and he saw in the news like, oh, they're trying to catch me by, you know, staking out my dump sites. I'm going to make it more difficult for them and use multiple at a time and they'll never have an idea which one I'm going to use because I'm going to have a bunch. So it made it harder for police. Stupid news. So in the first one, we kind of left it on. They had found like 13 victims, if y'all remember. He, The next dump site he used after the Green River was, police called it the South Airport dump site because obviously it was like, the southern airport runway it was near there All okay right.
1: so real quick I'm, I'm imagining as they find these dump sites are they able to figure out well they wouldn't be able to figure out when he killed who would they no gotcha
0: not until they identify the bodies and they know when they went missing then they're like okay this one was last seen and this day so she had to have been killed around that time and then there could be another girl at that same dump site that went missing like a year later so you see what i'm saying like they can't be like okay he used this specific spot for a certain amount of time and then he moved on to a new spot no he was just all he over was all over
1: the place gotcha
0: So the South Airport dump site, the first body discovered there was discovered by two people riding their bikes. They came across a partially buried body. The task force did an extensive search of this area and two days later, they found a second body. Two weeks after this body was found, cadaver dogs found a third body. And then it would be... Six years and they would find another body in this area. Holy crap. The body found first by the bikers was that of a girl named Constance Neon. She worked at a local sausage factory as a day job, but she had become addicted to cocaine, and to pay for this habit, she was working the streets at nighttime. She would drive to the Red Lion Inn, which was located on the Pack Highway, and she would just walk like car to car and ask people and like guys in the parking lot if they, you know, right. wanted to participate in her business. And so she never really actually worked the strip. She just worked at these little rinky-dink hotels. Gotcha. Gotcha. So her friend said she had only been doing this for like a couple months before she disappeared. So she was definitely not an experienced sex worker. Gotcha. She, when they found her, she had been strangled and she also had the triangular shaped rocks were inserted in her vagina, just like Marsha and Cynthia. But another thing that was weird about her is she had a bite wound on her breast. Oh, shit. He actually left teeth marks? He bit a chunk out of her breast.
1: Is this dude about to go down Ted Bundy style?
0: No, he is not. He would later say that he did this to her because she would not allow him to touch her boobs. During their sexual encounter, so he was so pissed that after he strangled her, he just bit a chunk out of it, out of her breast.
1: Christ!
0: So when I say these women are found in shallow graves, like literally, she was found buried under just three inches of dirt. Like he just kicked dirt on top of her. I was going say much. he did not try very hard. No, because again, he's kind. He's like Ted Bundy. He comes back. Oh. To, you know, do, do necrophilia things, necrophiliac things to these women. Have mm. we, we know. Okay. Yikes. So Mary Meehan was actually the first victim who was dumped in this area, though. She wasn't the first one found, but she was the first one that was actually dumped there. She was 19 years old had went missing sometime after 8.30 p.m. on September 15th, 1982. She was living at one of the rinky-dink motels and was known to engage in sex work. And at the time, she was seven months pregnant. Oh, my gosh. But her boyfriend told police that... She was not really showing enough to deter her clients from still wanting to have sex with her. Her remains were found November 13th, 1982, so over a year later. She had been buried. She had actually been buried. This is the first and very few of his victims that he took the time and got a shovel and dug a hole. Now she was only under 18 inches of dirt, so he didn't work that hard, but he covered every th- like he covered all of her except they said her teeth were sticking out of the dirt. Really? How do well, you Well, I'm really sure mean? by
1: the time they found her, she oh, had been well, decomposing. Yeah. So it was probably just whenever he buried her, her head was closer to the surface. Right. Well, all you could see, that's how they found her, her
0: though, is her teeth were showing through the ground. That makes sense. She was found laying face up, missing her clothes, jewelry, and her purse. So she was completely naked, no anything with her. When interviewed later about Mary, Gary said he remembered killing her on a summer night sometime after 9 p.m. He said they drove to the Sandstone Motel and parked his truck. He then persuaded her to walk several blocks to the airport location so that they could have sex outside gary tried to tell police that before they left to go to this location she had agreed to have sex but once they were in the woods she only wanted to perform oral sex which if you remember in part one i said most of them only did oral right for 30 dollars so a lot of them did not actually have sex like intercourse He told investigators that this pissed him off. That she wouldn't actually have sex with him. But according to him, he let her perform oral, but he couldn't get it hard. So he kind of did this weird jump behind her maneuver and choked her. So when he would choke them without a ligature, he would use his, like, the crook of his arm.
1: Like inside of his elbow?
0: Yeah, instead of like choking with two hands like Ted Bundy would do from oh, behind. So
1: like a sleeper hold. He but would like put them
0: in like a choke hold Whoa. and apply pressure to break the hyoid bone. Like he... Gotcha. I mean, that's how previous Gary was doing it most of the time too. He claimed... He buried her because he was afraid someone could see her from the road. That was the only reason that he took the time to bury her. He also maintained through all of his interviews that he had no idea she was pregnant when he killed her. Because she was never naked until her, she was dead. Because he would take... A lot of them, he would take their clothes off afterwards. And, you know, do things to their bodies after he killed them and he said it was very dark but he admitted that even if he would have known she was pregnant he would have killed her anyway so no, it did so really that, matter that was not a deterrent for him no he said he would have killed her regardless okay that's fucked up so people kind of got mad back in the day when he was caught and things they didn't they never understood why he didn't get charged with the baby's death right Yeah, he should have. But even still, people don't count the baby as one of his victims, which it should be. Well, we'll count it because it's a death. So, the next victim found at this site, her name was Kelly Ware. She was 22 and killed a month after Constance, but her body was not found until October
1: 1983.
0: She was not reported missing, however until december of 1984
1: so wait they found her Her body body before she was ever reported missing a
0: year before she was ever reported missing okay um that happens a lot in these cases because most of these women are living on the street they're sex workers their families haven't seen them in forever and when the green river Killings were going on. Then people were like, "Okay, well, what if my kid was a victim?" And then they would report them missing, and that's how a lot of them are identified—is because they finally get reported missing.
1: Gotcha. That's okay. crazy. Still, that's just wild to me. That
0: so pretty much Kelly was not identified for a whole year. So they had found her body, mm-hmm. but they had no clue who she was. Exactly. Until somebody was finally like, yeah, we haven't seen her in a long time. We should probably report her missing. Yes. That's crazy. Uh, Another way they were identified easier is if they had previous arrests for, for prostitution because then they could identify them by fingerprints if they still had flesh. The problem is a lot of them were found completely decomposed already. So, yeah. Just like... Constance. Gary had buried Kelly in a shallow grave and he admitted she was the last victim of the South Airport location and he also told investigators that he had returned to her body a couple days later. So he doesn't return to all of them, just some of them. He told investigators it was nighttime when this happened to Kelly and And his son was asleep in his truck.
1: He brought his kid with him? Yes.
0: His son was asleep in his truck, and he said a Port of Seattle police officer pulled up while he was in the middle of, well, you know, having sex with her dead body. And Gary told the officer he was just urinating, and the officer didn't do any further investigation. Just said, okay, cool. Holy shit. Wow. And his son was asleep in the truck, which I'll just... That happened a lot. He would either use his son's photo to make the women feel comfortable, or he would just have his son in the back seat if he was sleeping. (laughs) Okay.
1: Wow. That is just...
0: We'll get into that more in part four because part four is when we're actually going to talk about him as a person.
1: Okay. Because I just could not imagine growing up and knowing as a child that I was present for all of these things, just like taking a nap. Yeah, I know. Like
0: having that like weigh on you as an adult, like to know that. Oh, I... We'll we'll talk Uh, about uh, his son and all of his personal things in part four. Like, my biggest thing is I wanted to focus on the victims first and kind of make him an afterthought because most people put him at the head of the show and it's all about him. Right. As, I mean, that's how it is with a lot of them. Right. Which, (laughs) so I... I just wanted to talk about him last. Like, I'll give you th- certain things that he says happened when I'm talking about these victims because it will it makes more sense that way. But we'll go into him and, like, his personal life and his sh- kid and all of that Mom, at the end.
1: I feel like his son is also a victim here oh
0: his son is very much a victim
1: like i don't know there's the whole lots story of yet, other v- there's
0: lots of other victims that he didn't kill that have had to live their whole lives with the knowledge of these things were happening while he was living a normal life oh boy so This run-in with this officer did not stop him from returning to her body a couple days later to have sex with her again. Then he moved her body and covered her with dirt. So, like, the officer catching him, he was just like, meh, whatever.
1: I I imagine you would probably, like, catch a disease or something. You would
0: think, but I mean... Ted Bundy and Gary Ridgway would have sex with these women until they were covered in maggots. That's some of them. Ted Bundy especially. Ugh. Yeah, the thought of that is fucking gross. Gary Ridgway, not as much as Ted Bundy, but Ted Bundy, as long as they didn't have maggots on them, he was still going to have sex with them. So The last victim found at the South Airport site was a girl named Andrea Childers. She was 19, and her body was the one that was not found until six years after she disappeared. So those other three bodies were found pretty close together, but her body went undiscovered during that initial search in 84 because he had actually hidden her at this area so she went missing in april on april 14th of 1983 and her full intact skeleton was found hidden under a car fender and a large piece of a wooden tabletop in this area so it was hidden from like view and the elements s- and animals so it was a complete full intact so skeleton. he basically preserved it for them Yeah, pretty much. All Gary remembered about killing Andrea was that he did it during sex and he put her in one location and then decided, "Mm, I don't like her there, so I'm going to come back and move her. And when he moved her, he saw those two items, the car fender and the tabletop, and was like, I'll put her here and then I'll cover her with those things. And no one will ever see her, which it took them six years.
1: And by that point, she's completely decomposed, also.
0: Yes. The next location we're going to talk about is the north side of the airport, obviously. Why wouldn't he go to the north if he went to the south side? This is where he would put the bodies of 17-year-old Shonda Lee Summers, 18-year-old Cheryl Lee Wims, and an unidentified Caucasian female that still to this day is only known as Jane Doe B-10. So she's never been identified.
1: That's sad. B-10? Yeah. Site B number 10? Yeah.
0: At the time, this area was an undeveloped area besides a few vacant lots and a baseball field and a tow yard that's all that was there all three b- victims were found naked and gary admitted to killing all three of them he was like yeah i did that and what you're gonna learn about gary Ridgway is he very rarely remembers the women he kills or even how he killed them but he can take you to the exact location where he left their bodies. And he can tell you exactly where he picked them up. But if he, a lot of these women, he was shown photos and he was like, mm, she doesn't look familiar. But then they would be like, okay, well, then give him a map of the area in 1983. And he would be like, I left one here. I left one here. I left one here. That's how they did things. And then they'd be like, okay, well, this is the girl we found there, and this is the girl we found there. And then he would go, oh, okay. So, yeah, I picked that girl up at this place, the one that I left here. See what I'm saying? Yeah. That's fucked up. So a lot of these, it's going to be, yeah, Gary didn't really remember anything except this is where he put them. That's, That's fucked up. Okay. So the next site after the, the South and North site was uncovered by investigators. It was called the S- Star Lake Road site. And it was a road that intersected with Pacific Highway South. So it was like right on the street from where he was picking them up. This was like four miles from the SeaTac Strip. So four miles from the airport, pretty much. And it was only a half a mile stretch of road. Like the road itself was only half a mile long. In this site, they found six victims. 23-year-old Gail Lynn Matthews. She was discovered on September 18th, 1983. She would remain unidentified for two years after her body was found. And it would turn out that the Green River, she would, she was the, his 21st victim when they laid it all out by dates when it was all said and done. Gail was his 21st victim. Now, think of that. He started in 1982. This is only September of 83 when she was found. Oh my God she had been missing since april of 1983 at around 6 p.m when her boyfriend saw her sitting in the passenger seat of a pickup truck on specific highway south at a stoplight he tried to get her attention by waving but she didn't notice him he later described the driver of the truck as a white man with blondish curly hair And a composite sketch was created from this guy's description. Also found in this area was 16-year-old Terry Milligan, 18-year-old Alma Smith, 17-year-old Dolores Williams, 17-year-old Sandra Gabbert, and 15-year-old Carrie Roess. So they're all primarily teenagers. Yes. The oldest woman he killed was in her 30s but the majority of them were between 15 15 and 18 and 18 yes 15 and 19 a lot of them are in 18 19 area all six women in this location were found naked and it appeared they all had died from strangulation this was not a fresh dump site for the killer all six women were already been there for a while so they were decomposed pretty much when they were found star lake road was a very secluded area with a steep wooded hillside that the killer could hide his victims and return without anyone seeing so this was like the perfect spot for him because the Okay, so think about, like, if you're driving in Kentucky down one of those old roads we used to live on, and there's, like, the drop-offs, and it's, like, all wooded drop-off. Yeah. That's how this area
1: was. I'm picturing... I I don't know the road you're talking about, <laughs> so I'm picturing a two-lane road kind of carved into... Uh, like a mountainside. Yes. Yeah. I n- yeah. mean, not, not. well, not I guess, yeah, a mountainside, but like a... More of like a hill. A large hill. Yes. You know, and there's trees up above me yes. on the one side, and as it slopes down from the road on the other side, also full of trees? Yes. Okay. So that he... That makes sense.
0: He could literally, if he wanted to, stand at the top of the by the road and just roll their bodies down this hill. If like he w- he's
1: a fucking logger?
0: Pretty much, if he wanted. And then he could go there at any time of the day and do whatever he wants to these bodies and and no one would see him through the trees.
1: Oh my goodness, this fucking guy.
0: Yeah. Investigators would uncover another dump site on December 18th, 1983. How many
1: dump sites are there?
0: There's a bunch. There's a bunch, Bobby. This one is kind of the same... As the Star Lake Road one, it's called Mountain View Cemetery Road, which was like located three miles from Star Lake Road. Same kind of situation, wooded. It's Washington State, very woodsy, mountainy. Yeah, like secluded spot, especially in the '80s. I feel like he was just like standing there, closing his eyes with his arm like stretched out spinning, and wherever he stopped, he was like, that's where I'm going next.
1: Mm -hmm. What the fuck?
0: A lot of it was literally he had them in the back of his truck, and he's driving down the road, and he's like, oh, that looks like a pretty spot.
1: See, I I thought he would just, like, hang up a, a local map and throw darts.
0: No, a lot of them is literally he was just... Driving, he, he would say, like, I'm I was driving to this past dump site to dump them, and then I was like, oh, well, that spot looks really nice, I'll start a new one. The fuck?
1: Well, no wonder they're all somewhat close to each other. Yeah, I mean, it seems like none of them are more than a couple of miles from a, at least one other one.
0: Yeah, they're all pr- within. So at least seven, four, ten miles from well, each other, except I'm, one. I'm not which saying we'll talk that about.
1: they're all within X amount of miles of each other. I'm saying, like, throw. You mean
0: the bodies are so close together? Well, no, 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 no the like dump sites. Dump, sites. The dump sites. I'm yeah. saying
1: like, if you know, let's say dump site A is over here on the left, and he's on the way to dump site A and finds a new place, dump site B. Sure, it's only a few miles from dump site A, but it's a different dump site. Yeah. He's on his way to dump site B, sees a place. He's like, oh, there's a nice dump site. Now we have dump site C. So it might be 10 miles from dump site A. Right. But it's only four miles from dump site B. Exactly. And so they're all within a short distance of at least one other dump site.
0: Yes. At that point, just get a search party together and search the whole fucking location, like I'm going to tell you the Green River Task Force. We'll talk about them in just a second. But first we're going to talk about this Mountain View Cemetery Road. So here they would find the just the skull of a girl named Kimmy Kai Pitzer. It was sitting upright next to a sign that read Auburn City Limits. Like her skull was just... Sitting in front of this sign, like, like a landmark. Yeah,
1: like crisscross applesauce no, leaning up against a, a sign. It's not her body, not her, her body, just her, her head. skull, her head. Yeah, is just.
0: Uh, st- like okay, like, like yeah, a fucking like decoration? you know the the signs that are like you're not like Welcome entering this city. Yeah, it, it was sitting there on top of a pile of leaves. That's okay. okay. Despite doing a several hundred mile ground search, nothing else was found in this area at the time. Okay? At the time. In January of 1984, the Green River Task Force was officially created. So he's been killing for two years, and they finally are like, okay, we need, like, a legit task force. Like, this shit's bonkers. Oh, now we do. Hmm. <laughs> We didn't when there was you know five oh, thirteen right so it was commanded on by Captain Frank Adamson, which was kind of bullshit because Officer Reichert should have been in charge of the task force, right, whatever you think it would have gotten done faster if he was, probably, but that's just my own opinion. It would consist of 50 additional personnel to help look for the Green River Killer. So it's now officially a big deal. Okay. Okay? Well, good. Investigators in the task force had a rough time. They were essentially far behind the killer because, like I've said, he was a very busy man. And they were trying to play catch up. The hardest part for them was going through all the missing persons reports. That because I'm sure there were a lot of them. Yes. That were filed months or even years before the remains were found. They were trying to account for gaps in between victims because they knew there were more bodies that they hadn't found hidden deeper in the wooded areas of King County. And eventually, this task force would become the most famous task force in the United States for their ability to process an outdoor crime scene. Oh. Because... All of his victims were found All outdoors. of his victims were found outdoors, and... So they kind of became experts at it? They became experts at finding bones, and handling them and recreating outdoor crime scenes well if in my opinion what they should have done was just recruit the whole damn town to just do a sweep of this whole fucking county yeah but then you're having a bunch of strange Mm -hmm. on like non professionals trampling all over everything and nothing's handled with proper care and it's just stand there and shout I found one on March 13th, 1984, this was the day that a moss hunter would discover the remains of 19-year-old Lisa Lorraine Yates. She was last seen leaving a friend's house to go work as a sex worker in the area of Rainer Avenue and South Graham Street on December 22nd, 1983. So, she went missing two days before Christmas in 83. Her body is now being found March 13th, 1984. I'm trying to not confuse people, because there's a lot of dates. Uh, I've given up. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember, started killing in 82, currently we're in 84. Okay. Yeah, they're, like, finding... They're now finding women that he has killed. Okay. More. So it was like women he killed in 82, they found a lot of them in 83. Now women he's killed in 83, they're finding most of them in 84. All right. Right. The task force got a little excited because Lisa had only been missing for four months. This was the newest body that they had found. The The most most recent. recent. Yes. Okay. They were sure they would find some kind of evidence to point them in the direction of the killer because this was the f- f- like first time they had been this close. Like found him. one. So I hate to use this word, but fresh, fresh. Right. A fresh dump site.
1: Or at least one that was recently used.
0: Yes. A dump didn't, site.
1: I mean, not the human being, obviously.
0: It did not work out the that way, though. All that was left on her remains was her skeleton. She was completely decomposed.
1: In how? In four months, in the winter months? Over four winter months in the north, northwest?
0: Yeah, how? It's like a giant freezer.
1: That is Well, they found her in,
0: wait, March? Yeah. What?
1: Yeah. He's I'm like, yeah. She pretty sure in her
0: body was ravaged by wildlife.
1: I mean, that, it had to be scavengers yeah, over it. the winter.
0: Yeah, that had to be it because it's the only
1: thing that makes any sense.
0: Investigators typically get excited when a body is found in the winter because it is so well preserved. Yeah, well, hers was not. This left her cause of death a complete mystery, leading them no closer to catching this fucking monster that was stalking the Sea-Tac strip. Like I said, the task force became very good at processing outdoor crime scenes. And after Lisa's body was found, they got even better because from March till May of 1984, they found 10 more victims. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Why didn't they just assign one police officer to, like, manage, like, basically become. Undercover pimps. They did have undercover cops there at the time, and like We're, we'll talk about it. it you would know, be
1: fucked up if they had an undercover sex worker and she she went missing.
0: They did have undercover cops posing as sex workers at this time, and w- Gary tried to pick up one of them,
1: Holy and uh, he
0: went to jail. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> like I said, we'll talk about it when we talk about his ass. I'm just trying to come up with better ways to have caught him quicker. So when the task force was formed that January, it was believed that they were hunting a serial killer with 13 victims, right? Right. But now by May of 1984, they were up to 24. Hmm. They had no idea that their victim count would go even higher than that by the time this case was solved in 2001. It took them that Wait, long he was, at and that point, hire other cops and you all just, hey. He wasn't si- caught until 2001? He was not caught until 2001. Like, just be like, hey, sex workers, you guys take a break. <laughs> we'll take over. We will become the sex workers. I mean, that is definitely
1: wild. But I mean, if you think about it, at any given time, there's what like 50 active serial killers throughout the United States. But he was a big
0: one. I get that. No, I'm saying, but I my like my brain glitched at the thought of like in two years they found 24 women, but he wasn't caught until 2001. Yep. Like it was I almost I see now years why later. what he admitted to s- in the 7 like 70 what? 3 73 83 he admitted he, he mi- admitted to like he confessed to killing 73 women.
1: Oh, I thought you were talking about years. You confused no. me. <laughs> no. He admitted to
0: killing 73 women. The investigators that worked this case believe it's well in the hundreds, but probably which if it was, then he would still be more prolific than Sam Little. But there's only confirmed forty nine.
1: Well just think about it. Over the course of two years there was twenty four. That's there's one no amount. way
0: yeah, yeah, in in twenty years he only killed forty. Well, by June of nineteen eighty four members of the task force were not only trying to identify new victims chase down leads and corroborating information from the first 13 victims that they had found they were also trying to rule out a list of over a hundred potential suspects at this point only a few had been eliminated completely one of these potential suspects wait sorry out of these 100 potential suspects their whereabouts were pretty much untraceable during the time of the murders because most of these men that they were saying are suspects were men who had been arrested for picking up sex workers I mean it makes sense that was like their suspect pool
1: well obviously
0: the only thing that could definitely connect these dudes to the case was that they were like i said all arrested at some point but their whereabouts during all of these murders it was like taking so much time for the task force to corroborate corroborate it like you have a hundred dudes and trying to figure out where to figure they out were when in those two years yes that's like a huge time-consuming thing. Yeah, I will tell you that if I ever get arrested for something and they're like, what were you doing this day three months ago? I'd be like, y- fuck if I know. I don't
1: know, I don't know uh, what yeah, I was doing I fucking three no months idea. ago. I don't know what I was doing three days ago. Exactly. I don't know what I was doing yesterday for
0: real. But six to- you know have an alibi you better know what you did four months ago at three fifty-three p.m
1: i can tell you I, w- I woke up that day i had breakfast <laughs> I probably um i did some other stuff i probably had lunch i might have done a few other things ate some dinner uh-huh. i probably watched a tv show and went to bed that was that was whatever day what day was it, it that was what i did it doesn't matter what the day was that was what i did <laughs> i probably went to work It somewhere in there
0: that is, that is madness, though, to think about trying to, like, piecemeal that all together when you have 100 suspects that you're looking at. Yeah, it's and not only not yeah. only that, but you're also trying to match these remains that you're finding to a list of missing women, like missing persons reports to v- identify their bodies. Yeah. And also these missing reports persons reports are coming in they've been piling up for two years right i know without any like because they're not finding any like real evidence no. at any of the crime scenes it's nope. like no wonder he, it took so long and he went so long without being found because he was giving them nothing to go off of i mean the marks. It. they could have taken those to a an dentist and been like hey have you seen these before Yeah, but back then that was not really I understand that, but like the 90s They still could have taken those same teeth marks A picture of and went Hey, have you seen these before? So we're gonna get into, you know The reason why I decided to do this case In the first fucking place Because, you know, I did Ted Bundy And Ted Bundy was involved with this case
1: Were they like buddies or something?
0: No Unlike with Ted Bundy and his murders, most of the suspects in the Green River killer murders were also not cooperating with police. Like, they're all, like, underground, like, you know, pimps or drug dealers or drug addicts and all these things. Yeah, they had all their own shit going on. And they're like, no, copper, I'm not selling you jack shit without a fucking search warrant. Yes, I said copper.
1: (laughs) You're never going to catch me, see? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's what I envisioned in my head.
0: (laughs) By October of 1984, they were no closer to finding out who was killing these women and Officer Keppel, which remember he worked on the Ted Bundy case, he received a letter from Florida's death row from none other than Ted Bundy. Hey, bud, I know that you put me in here, but listen, I gotta tell you something. Well, he didn't put Ted Bundy in Florida. He was hunting him when he was in Washington. Right, no, that's what I mean. Like, hey, buddy, I know that you were looking for me. I'm here. <laughs> listen, I got something to tell you. At first, Keppel was not sure if he wanted to even acknowledge that Ted Bundy was trying to talk to him. He knew Ted always had a hidden agenda and believed he wanted to use this in his appeals to get off death row which maybe he did but let's keep in mind at this point in ted bundy's story he was not confessing to anything he was still claiming innocence okay so that at, at this point at in this time. point in ted bundy's life when he writes this letter to keppel He is still claiming innocence in his own murders. So no one has heard the horrible, deranged things that Ted Bundy did yet. Okay. Ted wrote that at first he paid no attention to the River Man killer. This is what he calls him.
1: (laughs) The River Man?
0: The River Man. Because being in Florida, he only got the superficial and sensational story. But he began receiving a subscription to the Tacoma News Tribune, and he started following the case more closely, you know, because it was in his backyard. He believed he had developed an insight into the Riverman murders, and he had developed impressions, observations, and hunches about the killer if they were interested in hearing them. He said he knew he did not have all the information in the case like the task force did, but that he had inside knowledge of a serial killer's brain. So he suggested that they send an investigator to Florida to talk to him. Okay.
1: All right. I feel like that's kind of an admission of guilt on his part to begin with, though. It is. But he, he's still claiming innocence and saying, but I understand how a serial killer's mind right. works.
0: Right. But he's not okay. ready to tell all of his deep dark secrets, pretty much. Ted. Because he's not Ted knocking not on anybody. Death's door yet. Right. Theodore. The then after Ted's letter, then Keppel receives a letter from an attorney that Ted trusted completely. And it, this letter says almost the exact same thing but he had he the attorney's like ted isn't messing with you he really wants to help try to you know give you insight on what to look for to try to help you catch the river man the he, river man yeah yeah that's what they call him people believe ted did this because he was jealous of how many victims the Green River Killer had already gotten at this point? No, oh, I'm sure like, it was. Ain't nobody gonna kill in my town but me. It that was, was Ted. Way more than him. Yeah, and that pissed him off. That's what I'm saying. He was sitting in prison, going, "Ain't nobody gonna kill in my town but me." At first, this created like a back and forth between Ted and Keppel. Keppel's like, do I really care? And Ted's like, come on, dude. I can really help you. Just fucking pay attention to me. <laughs> and finally they go talk to Ted. They're like, fuck, what do we got to lose? Now I'm envisioning Hannibal Lecter in the 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 cell and she's like standing there, mm-hmm. like talking to him through the cell. That's what I'm picturing at this point.
1: I know what you're talking about.
0: Ted believed he could like give them insight that they personally weren't picking up on picking up on so when keppel went there he went there with it was him and Riker went together to talk to ted bundy and it was like supposed to be like this big secret thing because ted bundy didn't even want people to know that they were talking to him he's like bitches you better come incognito Because I want no press that I'm helping the police. Yeah, because he didn't want his family shamed for all of the things he did. Street clothes, bitch. Okay. So Ted believed investigators should learn everything they could about what he called the scene. So to him, this is where the victims came from. Like where they were being taken from.
1: Gotcha. The scene that the victims are a part of.
0: Right to him the killer would know everything about it inside and out would know everything there was to know about the sea strip the pacific highway south ted believed this killer was living and breathing this area yeah and so he tried to tell keppel and Riker, you need to be the same way you need to know every single thing you can know about this area To him, the killer would know how to draw these women to him by fitting in, looking like he belonged there. Right. He did not believe that they were all just sex workers just because they came from the same area. Ted believed that because of their ages, that. Yes, they could be prostitutes, but he also believed that some of them could have just been delinquents and runaways and party girls and just into drugs, and they just hung out in this area, which made them come across as being sex workers.
1: I mean, that makes sense.
0: Yes. He pointed out that the riverman could not have picked a better victim, but from a law enforcement vantage point, it was the worst because for gary Ridgway, this is a victim that doesn't get paid attention to right right and they usually don't go to police when they see something happening they keep to themselves they're not scared per se so even though they know all these other women are dying they're still going to go out on the street and try to make money because they need the money right I they're wonder also if also probably Ted thinking it's not going to happen to me right I wonder if Ted was upset that he didn't think of that and went after college girls probably instead he was probably like what the hell man I could have yeah. went after sex workers wouldn't, like wouldn't surprise
1: dude. me if he was mad about it
0: yeah he also told keppel that there were four reasons the investigation was hard for them to follow up on one the disappearance disappearances were usually not reported until days or weeks after the victims were last seen so these are all things he's telling them to like assure them like i know what i'm talking about right two he said the victims movements were hard to trace because of who they were it was hard to know where they came from what they were doing leading up to this three he's like a list of the victims friends and associates would also be difficult to come up with because no one's going to admit they know them right? and four he said in the beginning of the investigation the police or media did not really pay any attention to what was happening so it gave the river man a head start yeah because no one was paying attention all these things made it an ideal situation ted said like you guys set this up where it was the perfect situation for him now you have to make it an unperfect situation for him he said the river man would continue to kill despite their presence and the publicity because his pool of victims was still providing him with ample candidates Ted also told Keppel that the Riverman knew they were not close to finding him. He's like, he's not worried about you. Yeah, which, you know, that had to like hit them in the Sting? gut. Like, yeah. oh, fuck you, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> fuck mm-hmm. you, Ted. Yeah. He said that they were close to him. They just did not know it at the time because there was nothing to tie the suspect to the murders he's like i have a feeling you have stood in front of this man had conversations with this man and because you have nothing to tie him to it you've let him walk away which was 100 percent true yeah
1: well, you fucking called it
0: yes Another big thing Ted talked about was the Riverman's internal and external factors with the murders. By internal factors, he was talking about the killer's need to abduct, like his quote-unquote demon that he was dealing with, like the time in between each murder, which he said may vary and could be separated by long periods of time. The external factors were things like family, job, school, that were keeping him from being able to murder every day. All of these things Ted told them would affect the river man's ability to murder. If they could figure out when the women were disappearing, like whether it was day or night or weekdays or weekends, they could figure out his work schedule and his family responsibilities. Yeah, that makes sense. Ted would end up being completely right about almost everything he told investigators. He strongly recommended that they stake out a newly discovered dump site to catch the killer. The problem for the task force, though, was they couldn't find a fresh dump site. But Ted told them, if you find a fresh dump site, do a stakeout, Anyone who knows about this dump site needs to be literally locked up, not allowed to speak to anyone, like even if you have to put them in a cell so they can't blow your cover. And he literally said, only communicate through landlines instead of on your police radios to also only send one or two officers there during the stakeout and like tell nobody else he's like you guys literally have to figure out how to be incognito and not speak to each other while it's happening if you want to catch this guy Ted was giving this information to the investigators but it didn't really like if they could have found a fresh dump site it would have been helpful but they never could so they could never use Ted's advice right It would turn out to be Ted was kind of starting at this point to try to talk about himself without talking too much about what he did, but he was using this whole thing to be like, okay, you know, I'm going to give you a little insight into my brain, but at the same time, I'm not going to give you too much information yet because I'm holding it close to the chest because I want to use it to get the fuck out of here. So Ted was kind of using them like his own therapy? Yeah.
1: All right.
0: Pretty much. But like I said, it didn't really work out for the Green River Task Force because they could never accomplish what ted told them to do they could never put it together on when these women were going missing like what time of the day what like yeah because there were so many of them and nobody was like recalling ever seeing them
1: so they couldn't find the opportunity to do right the and they couldn't Ted find suggesting.
0: a way to be like okay well he's only taking them at night or he's only taking them in the morning or he's doing it on Tuesdays or whatever which is what Ted was trying to get them to do like narrow it down Yeah,
1: you know, and a lot of it they would have to be reliant on the community to report these people missing right and they're already marginalized a lot of people aren't tracking them so If they even do get reported missing, it's stuff like we talked about where it's a year later.
0: Yep. But that's where I'm leaving you for part two is when they are done talking to Ted Bundy. All right. Whew.
1: Okay. Well, if you enjoyed today's episode, let us know. Leave a review. Leave a comment. You know, leave us five stars. Share us with your friends, your family, whoever, so they can hear this, too. Um, don't forget to check out the Patreon. Check out the pictures on the socials. And if you have a case suggestion, send it to the email, speakingofmurders@gmail.com. Anyone have any final thoughts?
0: No. No. All
1: right. Well, we will see y'all back next week. Bye. 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 Bye.
0: Bye. Bye. bye.